श्रीमन महाप्रभु की जय श्री हरिनाम संकीर्तन की जय श्री श्री गौर नित्यानंद की जय श्री श्री कृष्ण बलराम जी की जय श्री श्री गौर राधा माधव की जय श्रीपद भक्ति अभाश्रम महाराज की जय गौर भक्त वृंद की जय गौर प्रेमानंद Good evening to everyone. Thanks so much for <coughs> your presence and the invitation to share Hari Kata with all of you. It's my great fortune, basically. So I pray that I may be properly purified by attempting to honor this sacred message and by becoming just an instrument of divine providence. So. Uh, the topic that has been selected for sharing these days has been Upadeshambrita. Um, the first four verses of Upadeshambrita, basically, we have a series of four uh, lectures, and I'm very happy and blessed that know, to know that always I, will, I will also be joined by my great friends, senior friends, Ashramara. <laughs> so also, I, 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 he's very negate, denied. To speak something, but I will try to make my best in order to make him say something and really <laughs> present a proper conclusion to whatever uh, thing I may say now. <clears throat> so, these four verses of Upadhyaya actually the original idea of speaking, the, the original topic that was suggested by Subal Prabhu. With your permission, I will share that. <laughs> you have to speak about the Ashtakaliya Lila. I say, okay. <laughs> so we can start speaking about the four verses of Upadeshambrita who are the foundation for speaking about the Ashtakaliya Lila. <laughs> because basically Upadeshambrita ends in this Lila Smaran, no? starts in control the tongue. In 11 verses take us from controlling the tongue to no? <laughs> Lila Smarana. So Ashtakaliya Lila is included there if we have the eyes to see, no? the ears to hear. So, <laughs> Sagalia will be there, so I, I'm sure that Suwapro will be pleased, hopefully, with me also. <laughs> so, we'll begin today with the first verse. <clears throat> but before going to this verse, a little background to the whole Upadeshambrita, which is a very particular book of Srila Rupa Goswami, because generally what we find in Sri Rupa's books is mainly also found in Chaitanya Charitamrita, in those same sections where Mahaprabhu himself is instructing Sri Rupa, mainly in Prayag, in Puri also. But the points that he makes in, in Upadeshamrita are not so much found in Chaitanya Charitamrita, like as we find in regarding to other verses. But the background story of where all this is coming from, according to Acharyas and commentators to the book, speak to about Mahaprabhu and his Antya Lila. So you know Mahaprabhu in the Anchalila means Mahaprabhu in his most, uh, let's say, deep stage of uh, relishing the main purpose for his descent, where he was mainly half his day no, inside and half his day being a social person and eventually as time, as time advanced, he just went into the Gambira and that's all. No? <laughs> so... 
at the time that he eventually was going sometime in, outside of the Gambira, at one point it is mentioned that he was one day at the shore of the ocean in Puri. As, as you know, he saw ocean, he didn't saw ocean, <laughs> he saw Udiponavibhav, no? that stimulant for invoking the presence of, in this case, the object of love. Everything became Udipana. Actually, when we become... Today I was sharing one article in, in, in Facebook regarding that. I was sharing about the, the peak of feather, no? any peak of feather, actually, how it, the design, if you will, of the peak of feather includes the name Radha. No? If you have eyes to see, you will see that in Sanskrit no, letters, it says Radha. No? So it says it, because we say, why Krishna uses the peak of feather for so many reasons, but ultimately... He's putting Radha above his head. <laughs> As a very good student, teacher is here. Amisisya Guru Nad Radhikar Premam Nad. Krishna is a student in the dancing school of Sri Radha, and her prem makes him dance very particular performances. No? <laughs> and it is said that this peacock feather is inclined towards the left a little bit, like pointing to you know who. No? <laughs> So in this way, for Krishna to say he, everything is to deepen to remember Sri Radha, and for Radha everything is to deepen for remember Sri Krishna. And so in the case of Mahaprabhu, we have a very particular combination. Krishna, in the mood of Radha, in separation of Krishna, <laughs> basically. So his Antelila, he's really mm, absorbed in this reality of Udipan Viva. Whatever little sand dune, dune you say in English, was there? It was not a Sandun, it was always Govardhan. And not only Govardhan, but all the implications of Govardhan. All the Lila implications <laughs> present therein immediately were triggered in, in Mahaprabhu's no, inner world. So in the same way when he saw the ocean, he never saw the ocean, he only saw Jamuna there. So on one of those days, when he was just passing out in front of the ocean and just entering into his inner world, into the kunjas and rendering intimate service and so on he disappeared from public eyes if you will, he just lost consciousness and eventually when he came back as you know this moment sometimes the devotees were just singing to him Harinam Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna and Mahaprabhu was coming back and said what's that noise? No? <laughs> you mean, I mean, this was the Kirtan of Swarup and Ramananda no? but what must be the high quality of what he was tasting there that he felt that as noise. <laughs> I mean, it's not noise at all. So when he came back, one of those days, Rupa Goswami was there and some other close associates. And once he returned from his samadhi, he shared, no, he shared the, well, he spoke in samadhi bhashya, basically, as we spoke, the language of trance. So he came out of trance, but half trance, half external consciousness, so he like kind of repeated just what he was seeing. And, and, and the way that he translated his inner ecstatic experience was starting with what we were start today. And all the verses of Upadhyasamrita were like presented by Mahaprabhu one after the other, 11 verses. So it's interesting because you mean, you, you see, in his inner world, he's fully submerged in Krishna Lila, but how he's translating his experience to the ones who are around him, Okay, starting by Vachuvigan, no? And if you really have the eyes again to see and ears to, to hear, 
eventually you will be transported into the proper conclusion of what does it mean to control the tongue in the ultimate sense. <laughs> in the ultimate sense, tongue control means you are absorbing just speaking about the most intimate and profound type of harikata. So, so my point is sometimes Upadashamrita may be taken as, oh, that's a basic text. No? Rupa, uh, Rupa Goswami wrote so many other deeper texts. Let's go to Bhaktara Samrita Sindhu, Ujvala Nilamani, Utkali Kabalari, so many Lalita Mala, Vidagdamal. Upadashamrita is just like. I mean, and you, we can make a, a comparison, of course, with proper respect, <laughs> but also we should have the capacity of knowing in those 11 verses. Everything is there in a condensed form, maybe, but everything is there, like in the seed way. So, if you have the proper water, the proper sun, that seed will show how everything was there actually. The very same of the name of the book is speaking to us about that Upadesh Shambhrita. So, Upadesh, Upa means what? Sorry? Instruction. Upadesh is instruction, but. Upadesh is also interestingly divided in etymologically speaking, like Upanishad, close to Upanishad. Upa means re- speaks about residing, and, and 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 sorry, Upa means close, and Desh means like Desh place, no? Like so, place means reside, res- residence, close residence. Upadesh. So it speaks about as Guru Maharaj says. You know, you know how it says. <laughs> how it goes. <laughs> Come close, I will tell you a secret. No? <laughs> so, and the secret is starts with Bachovigam, as we'll see. That's part of the secret. The secret no, no. is not verse 11. That's big Rajabhidya but Bachovigam is part of the preliminary function, preliminary sacred function. This is still a preliminary sacred function. <laughs> so, Upadesh Amrita. Sit close, Amrita. You know, with Amrita. Amrita implies both. Uh, deathless, something deathless. Mrit, mritu means death. Amrita means deathless, and also amrita means nectar. No? So amrita implies these two things, like immortality, but sweet immortality. Like Sheila Sidharmaras used to say, progressive and positive immortality, because we are not after just mere immortality. If you are thrown to immortality and we have nothing to do, it's really boring. <laughs> I mean, we will pray, let me go back here. <laughs> At least I have something to do here. But if we, if someone is throwing us to immortality without no activities, no variety, no in identity, mm. some people are after that. We are not those ones. So we are after <laughs> positive, progressive immortality that is included in the idea of Amrit. Huh? Immortal, nectar. Mm-hmm. So this immortal nectar is, be, is being given in a very condensed way in this Upadeshamrita that sometimes is translated as the nectar of instruction now, of all possible advice presented in the uh, like encapsulated form. So of course we require certain assistance from our parampara to be able to extract, to draw from. Yeah, sorry, I'm practicing my phrase, Albert, with you. <laughs> Extract the proper uh, content from each one of those verses. So today we will try to to concentrate on this very first verse that Srila Rupa Goswami is 
I mean, he was present there. In one sense, we could say the Padashamita was written by Mahaprabhu <laughs> and noted by Rupa, and he repeated that in one way. Because if you read Chaitanya Charitamrita, you will find so many sections that actually are in Rupa Goswami's books that are actually being spoken by Mahaprabhu to Rupa Goswami. And this is not diminishing Rupa Goswami's glories at all, but on the contrary, he will be very happy <laughs> if we are singing his glories in this way. Because we are Rupa Nugas, as you know, so our life and soul is whatever Rupa Goswami has to say to us about Mahaprabhu. So try to imagine, this nectar of instruction is in the condensed form, whatever Mahaprabhu revealed in the very highest static moment, to someone like Rupa Goswami taking notes and extending that to us. So that's very important. Hmm. Uh, literature. So first verse <coughs> we will try to study a little bit today is, well, we will recite it. It says, Okay. Sorry if I don't have a blackboard here. So this first verse is again some form of preliminary presentation of what's going to come, like a trailer of the whole movie. <laughs> so he will, Rupa Goswami speaks here about uh, six urges. Urges? You say in English? Urges? Okay. So we will speak a bit about each of them gradually. But first of all, first before going down, I will mention them quickly and we'll go one after the other. And after that I will invite Ashram Maharaj to really give the Siddhanta of the whole thing. And correct all the Appa Siddhanta I'm presenting now. He will be the one in charge of that. So first, Rupa uh, says Jiva Begam. Jiva Begam. Jiva means tongue in the sense of what? Controlling which urge of the tongue? There are two ways we have to control the tongue. Okay. Bachovigam. Sorry. Bachovigam, first one. I say jiva. Bachovigam. Bak. Bak. The speak. Sense. Bachovigam manasa krodha vega. So, mind. Bachovigam manasa krodha vega. Krodha means wrath. Wrath. You say anger. Whatever. Krodha vega. Jiva Begam, again, go back to the tongue. <laughs> Do not think that you have already controlled the tongue if you just make Bacho Begam. Jiva Begam, in this case, tasting. Jiva Begam, Udara Upashta Begam. Stomach, genital, organ. And he says, whoever may be able to tolerate, actually he uses the word tolerate. So we will speak about what does it mean to tolerate. Because we may misunderstand the idea and really become paranoid in our tolerance. <laughs> so, Mahaprabhu said you have to tolerate like a tree, but the tree is tolerating not in a paranoid mood. He's happy. <laughs> so, <laughs> we should be tolerating happily and giving while tolerating that the tree, as the tree is. Uh, so, the ones who had the capacity of tolerating properly these urges, Sarvama Piman Pritivimsa can make the whole world his disciple, basically. So what does it mean also that? So, let's go by the very beginning. This, this verse also reminds me a very nice set of instructions, for one moment I go to their, that place, that Mahaprabhu himself gave to uh, Raghunath Das Goswami. 
And Raghunath Das Goswami also wrote a very nice book called Manasiksha, which is some type of parallel, one point to what Rupa Goswami said in the Upadeshambhrita. Manasiksha is like Das Goswami's Upadeshambhrita, if you will, preaching to the mind. So today is not the moment to study that, that would be too much, so we'll concentrate that, but we recommend the, the study of Manasiksha. There are also, there are 12 verses, but actually there are 11. So similar, the twelfth is like Falshruti, like the blessing shloka at the end. So it's even similar, like the quantity of verses and the topics presented and the gradual sequence sequence of development of the topics. So in this famous shloka, when you, maybe you already know, Raghunadas Swami, long story. <laughs> there. Don't want to lose me there, but if I lose my, there, myself there, lost and found, so no problem. <laughs> but Raghunath Das insisted on many occasions of having direct instruction of Mahaprabhu. First, he wanted to have direct association for some time, you know, Nityananda chastising him, the famous Panihati festival, calling him a thief, or so on. Many things to say there. But eventually, he obtains the association of Mahaprabhu in Puri. But Mahaprabhu immediately sensed him to. Swarup Damoda, saying, I'm putting you under the care of Swarup, and now you become Swaruper Ragu, the Ragu of Swarup. Huh? So, I'm putting you in best possible hands. Eventually, you will see Mahaprabhu puts himself in the hands of Swarup Damoda and Ramananda Roy. So, you, by that, you can understand how much merciful Mahaprabhu was being. But Raghunath somehow or other insisted, I want some direct instruction from you. Mahaprabhu said, but I gave you Swarup Damodar. I mean, he knows more than me. And he was right. That was not false humility. No? Because Swarup Damodar was Lalita, Saki, and uh, Mahaprabhu wanted to taste Radhavab. So Lalita knew more than Krishna about that. <laughs> she knows more than that. So Sri Radha, in the form of Gadadhar, as you know, disappearing in the background, backstage, but sending Krishna, his two dearest friends, Lalita Vishakaramananda, Swarup to assist him no, in this culture. Mahaprabhu say, I, I gave you everything in the form of Swarup Damodar. Bharagunath insisted, at least something, <coughs> say me something. Okay, so Mahaprabhu shared two verses, that again, everything was, the whole process is encapsulated there, from the very beginning to the topmost end. Similar to this Upadashambhita. And he started in a very similar way. No? Rupa Goswami starts saying, Bacho Vega. No? Remember, Bacho Vega, first part, which is tolerate the urge to speak. It doesn't mean you don't have to speak. Now we will speak about that. No? And what did say Mahaprabhu to Raghunadas? Gramya Kata Nasunibe. First part. Second part, we continue with Gramya Kata. Gramya Bhartana Baibe. No? Don't speak like village talk Gramilikata means like village talk in the evening we, we meet ourselves in the corner of the street and we start to update no? the, re, the local report no? she did this, she came here or they quarrel with that and nowadays you just open your cell phone and that's all that's the, <laughs> the whole village is expanded there the whole universe, everything you just press one button and you can know about everyone and figure <laughs> It's embarrassing, but that's true. <laughs> so, so Gramya Kata is very close. It's in your pocket. <laughs> the whole planet Earth, Gramya Kata, is just in one button. <laughs> no. 
So Mahaprabhu first thinks, he said to Raghunadar, Gramyaka, of course he was saying to us, I mean, Raghunadar was not indulging in Gramyakata. So be, 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 be careful of, of Prajalpa, basically, unnecessary talk. At least of that Gramyakata, whenever, when we reach Golok Vrindavan, we'll find a type of village talk. No? And some gossip is there also. No? Oh, it seems that Krishna is with Radha, but nobody is sure about that. We should take, take... And everyone is like suspecting this may happen, this may be happening. And they try to confirm, but it never is confirmed. So Parakia remains there, perfect. <laughs> so, but there is some Gramya Kata here and there. No? And some other people, lady elders, ladies say to Yashoda, your son is a thief, he came to my... So some Gramyakata and Jashoda say, no, he cannot be. And every time they are about to confirm that, no, something happens in Krishna, it's always like. <laughs> so many pastimes in that direction, I, won't, don't go, I don't want to go there now. But Mahaprabhu said to Raguna, do not speak, village talk, gossip, do not gossip, basically. That's the beginning of our journey. <laughs> and, and you have to really assure, be sure that you are not doing that before going to this next instruction, because if not, we want to run to the last part. He said, Brajara the Krishna Manasa Karibe. No? Serve Radha Krishna in your mind in Vrindavan. That's the last part. Now we'll go. But first, don't gossip. As much as you are still gossiping, as much as you are doing that, you cannot enter there. You cannot enter the highest gossip that is there in Braj. <laughs> A Prakrit gossip. No? <laughs> so, because sometimes we we'll like to jump into, okay, I will try to fix my mind into Vrindavan's pastimes, but if you are still gossiping, your mind will go to wherever you are gossiping. <laughs> so, your mind has to be in sattva to engage in meditation. That's as established in all the scripture. You cannot practice smaranam if your mind is not free from rajas and tamas in a big part at least. If sattva is not predominating, your mind will just go shopping here and there and there and there. Especially if you are a go- gossiper. <laughs> Quickly. So Mahaprabhu said that to, to I will very briefly to Raghunadas. Do not speak gossip and do not hear gossip. That's something different. You may say, oh, I never spoke gossip. But if you are passive, like, uh, how do you say in English? Uh, participant. Yeah, participant, yeah. Sometimes that may be even worse. More hypocrite from your side. I don't know, I'm doing something. I just... But I'm impartial, just hearing, impartially. <laughs> Very difficult. So after that, he said, he told to, to Raghunadas Goswami, in brief words, do not wear fancy clothes. And again, you start to ask, I mean, Raghunadas was wearing a lame cloth, a coping. So I don't think he has a very fancy coping. <laughs> and Mahaprabhu was saying, that's a very fancy coping. You have to get it out of I don't think so. No. <laughs> so he was instructing us <laughs> through Raghunadas. He said, do not eat, eat, eat very tasty food. Again, Raghunadas was taking those grains that, that were not even taken by the cows in the Jagannath temple that they were thrown there. So what's the point of Mahaprabhu saying, do not eat fancy food? I mean, again, it's for us. Again, first verse, very basic thing. Do not speak nor hear gossip. Do not dress and eat fancy in the fancy way. So, strictly speaking, that's not still yet bhakti. That's not uttam bhakti. But that's some preliminary stage that will, these activities will be the natural outcome 
if you are concerned with serenagati. And that's what this verse of Upadashamrita is speaking about. If you are Saranagata, if you want to be a surrender practitioner, naturally your Saranagati will take you into this direction of taking what's favorable, avoiding what's unfavorable for the pursuit of Uttam Bhakti. And of course, second verse, Mahaprabhu is saying, Aman, Manada, no, respect everyone, do not expect respect for yourself. Like third verse of Shastak and he's invoking basically. And Braja Radha Krishna Eventually think about Radha Krishna in your mind. But first, no? So everything should be in proper place in order to make our practice something uh, realistic. No? So, yes, do not gossip and eventually think about Radha and Krishna Vrindavan. But in between, some stuff is there. No? Like we were seeing the other day, sometimes we say, chant Hare Krishna and be happy. But between chant Hare Krishna and be happy, there are some brackets with many things to consider. <laughs> what does it mean to chant Hare Krishna and what does it mean to be happy? Because we may have a very ethereal idea of what's happiness. So we have to be properly educated about what's chanting and what's being happy. And there's a big bracket in the middle to consider for the lifetimes that may be necessary. No problem. We have no rush. Shilatsya Maharaj say the process is itself so tasty that why do you want to rush somewhere else? <laughs> no, you can be already tasting bhakti. So going back to the verse, here uh, Srila Rupa Goswami starts speaking about Pak. Pachu began, try to control the impulse, tolerate the impulse of speaking, which doesn't mean do not speak. We are not from, we are not Mauna Bodies. We are not from the idea of not speaking. Of course, if you don't have anything interesting to say, silence may be the best option. <laughs> no? So silence has some idea. Mauna means not speaking, or Mauna means do not make noise. <laughs> do not speak gossip. That's noise. But if you can speak in a way that is musical, if you will, poetic, oh please, do not stop. That's the idea. No? So, so, Srila Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, he said, this Bhajavigam, this control of the speech, is not the result of not speaking, but actually is the outcome of properly speaking. When you properly speak, you are controlling the, the urge of talk. Because controlling the urge is not stopping that, no? but using it in the best, as, as it best, with its best, best potential, basically. You have a tongue, you have to do something with that. <laughs> so what's the best possible thing I can do with my tongue? That means control your tongue. Basically, do not be controlled by it. Use it in a free way. So, Ikshaterna Sabdal, we said Vedanta Sutra, Absolute Truth is of such nature, we cannot never say enough. But it doesn't mean we will shut up. It means we will try to say as much as we can. Even though we will feel transcendentally unsatisfied. Like Ananta says. You can imagine the level of transcendental anxiety of Ananta says. <laughs> From time immemorial, with unlimited mouths and tongues, just speaking Harikata, 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 Anantakata is called sometimes, unending conversations, but never finding an end point to that. Never. So, that's the best way to try to, to deal with our impulse. 
So, going back to these six things, which we, before going in detail with them, as I was saying, this verse is not speaking about bhakti directly, because if you analyze it saying, control these urges, it may sound like become a civilized human being, but also it's a nice preliminary function if you are a serious sadhaka who is concerned with saranagati, it's more about saranagati again. So the outcome of saranagati is, I want to follow what's favorable for bhakti and what's unfavorable. Anukulyasa sankalpa pratikulyasa varjanam. So this first verse is like building the stage, as Guru Maharaj sometimes says, uh, the stage on which the lila is performed, the stage has to be done by by its very powerful material because this lila will be really powerful the movements the dancing there the stage has to really be able to make it sustainable <laughs> so the stage is made of saranagati i would say the foundation of the theater is made of siddhanta <laughs> with your permission i make some contribution there <laughs> This foundation of the whole theater is made of Siddhanta, the stage made of Saranagati, and the performance will be Lila. Huh? So everything will be sustainable in that way. <laughs> so proper Siddhanta takes us to proper surrender, and proper surrender takes us to proper movement. Eventually <coughs> that movement will become dance in Lila. So this verse has to, has to do with Saranagati, that Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, that's the natural outcome of Shraddha. So in one point, the verse is speaking about Shraddha. If you have faith, real faith, divine faith, divine trust, confidence, that by only serving Krishna, you don't need to do anything else, that's the official definition of Shraddha in Chaitanya Chaitanya So you will be willing to accept whatever is favorable, reject whatever is unfavorable, no matter how uncomfortable that may be. <laughs> that's the point. So if Sri Guru says, you have to control your impulse of speech is always difficult. Yeah, but Krishna will like you more. Okay. So I have to figure out how do I get close to that idea. So generally when we read this, accept the favorable, reject the unfavorable, sometimes it doesn't meet, it doesn't match our present list of what's favorable and favorable for us. Sometimes it's the opposite. Oh, all the things that were favorable to me are in the unfavorable list for Bhakti. <laughs> and vice versa. So, I'm ready to no, to change the list or to change the agenda, if you will. <laughs> so that's our nagati. That's the first filter to see. I mean, do you really want to practice Uttam Bhakti? Because if not, it's just whatever. From mouth to outside. But from mouth to inside, that's another thing. So control the tongue means that. Not only controlling what I'm saying towards the outside, but also... What's sounding from here to, to inside? How I'm acting regarding that? I am saying what I'm thinking, and I am, am I acting out what I'm saying? Now, all these things should be like ideal in place. That will give us peace, that will give us sattva and more, of course. That will be, give us a proper foundation for the rest. So, Bachovigam is this very first thing with the try to control the tongue speaking about that person that you will be able to speak for eternity that's our goal no? kirtaniya sadahari it means perpet perpetual kirtan I mean we have no other concern 
regarding eternity. <laughs> so, and there's so much to say about him, like the famous story of Srila Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta Saraswati, when he was publishing his daily newspaper, Nadia Prakash, and his brahmacharis were all day long going to the train stations, selling the newspaper, imagine, all time. And someday one person said, but every single day you are publishing this, every single day. I mean, someday you will run out of news. So he said, but, I mean, we are now in Kolkata, he said, maybe there are ten major newspapers in the city every single day sharing the news of the movements of the people in the world in the sleeping condition. So, Jiva is sleeping, so many things to say are there. (laughs) <laughs> and in my newspaper I'm speaking about the movements of the Jew in awakened state so you are asking me you are telling me that I will run out of news <laughs> he said actually if I would be able I will publish a newspaper every second he said but not too much available customers there yet so I have to just publish one, one per day my anxiety what to do <laughs> So that person really controlled his tongue. <laughs> he seems like out of control, trying to speak more about about Krishna, but that means the tongue is really under control, <laughs> under the control of <laughs> Swarup Shakti, Bhakti Shakti. That's the idea for us. Huh? We, we are not the ones who will control the tongue. Bhakti Shakti will control us, our tongue, our every organ, pore, atom, whatever. So <laughs> that's the idea of Bhatu become. But of course this perspective that Mahaprabhu gave to Tathko Swami is also do cons- proper to consider. No? Do not gossip. Be careful with social media. I won't enter into that. We have like for a weekend to speak about just how to deal with social media. <laughs> because it's a very fine line. No? You can say, no, Maharaj, you're using that for preaching. Okay. I'm trying to do that also. <laughs> but it's a very subtle thing. No? When it, it stops being preaching and starts preaching to you. No, very subtly, and maybe everything is devotional, but maybe you start to neglect certain time that you were investing in certain practice or in certain thing, and you just start like to again distract and delude and whatever. So I leave that between you and your pillow at night. No? <laughs> your inner consciousness will speak. I, I won't enter into that, but take care. That's the point. <laughs> <clears throat> And one day before Kartik, I heard there will be something called Empty Day, that everyone in the world is invited to not use cell phone and social media for one day. I think it's an interesting experiment to see the degree of addiction we may have. (laughs) After one day, if we are still alive, (laughs) that's a good symptom. (laughs) And maybe you taste some higher interesting thing that may take you to extend the the bow. Because the, the next day starts Kartik, so maybe you can do some interesting adjustment for Kartik regarding cell phones, social media, who knows. <laughs> Remain practical in the world, but be careful also with the practicality. Vacho Vigam Manasa, Manasa Guruda Vigam. So Manasa, what does it mean, Manasa? Mind. So controlling the mind, well, I think you are already pretty aware of what does it mean to control the mind. Uh, but again every time that here uh, uh, Rupa Goswami is speaking about controlling something always we have to find a positive way of doing that not just like trying to control trying to control how doing something engaging 
the mind. We are in a very engaging process. So mind have so much poten- such a potential to becoming uh, well as Krishna says in the Gita Bandurat your mind can be your worst enemy, your mind can be your best friend. So you choose. There's no one there. <laughs> because sometimes you say, oh, my mind is driving me crazy. <laughs> no, 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 there's no one there. <laughs> Do not put the blame of, on the mind. It's like if you say, oh, my stomach is killing me. <laughs> no, you are killing your stomach by eat, eating junk food. You know? But stomach, is, there's no one there. <laughs> Poor stomach. Stomach just saying, you are killing me. <laughs> you know? So the mind is like the stomach of the, of the subtle body. In the same way you gave the stomach food and the stomach is dying, the mind is like stomach that is receiving the food that you're putting through the senses. So if the mind is driving you crazy, better you analyze what I'm eating in the direction of my mind. This is really a, a, it's common sense, basically. So it's always a nice moment to reconfigure our sense, uh, how do you say, inputs. No. <laughs> And of course, engaging the mind with proper desires, devotional desires, consume our mind in this direction. That's the potential, because the Maha Mantra is called like this. Three mantra is a sound for freeing the mind. But when you understand what's the meaning of chanting, it's meaning to absorb yourself in a a positive direction, in a positive emotion, eventually, in an emotional range of things. Emotional content has the capacity of fully capturing the mind. Try to, to think about that. Generally, you may f- remember, maybe not yourself being in Bhava Bhakti, <laughs> but maybe experiencing some negative or material, emotional, powerful one. And you just cannot think about anything else about, apart from that. So our goal is to try to have some emotional link with the practice. Maybe we are not in Bhava Bhakti, that is emotion proper, <laughs> But some emotional range is there waiting for us at every stage uh, to be developed. So that's all for Manasa. Let's go with Kroda. Kroda means uh, anger. Anger. So anger, you have to control your anger. Uh, it's a type of impulse, of course, if we want to understand anger and wrath, as Krishna says in the Gita, Kama Esha, Kroda Esha. Uh, anger means. That moment when you are expressing some unsat- unsatiated, yeah. Sorry, I'm practicing my English. Unsatisfied necessity. You wanted something, it didn't happen. You get angry. So if someone is getting angry, that person actually is saying to you, "I wanted something and it didn't happen." And it's not the most intelligent way to say that because you can say. I want something that didn't happen, but instead of <laughs> instead of that, you may not just say anything. You start just like to bark or to jump or whatever. So that's not the best device. But well, that's the background of anger. No? You you needed something most probably, you, or you felt you needed something, and that necessity was not fully satisfied. But we know anger is not the way to satisfy that necessity. It's the way to become more and more unsatisfied. But there is a place for some things connected to anger, if you will. <laughs> Once Siddhar Maharaj compared, gave the example related to his Guru Maharaj when he became enraged. 
by hearing certain improper conclusions. One of, of the quotes in his, the phrases in his pronoun is virudha apasidanta. When he heard apasidanta, Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was not able to tolerate that. That was too much. <laughs> no? Maybe we may not get affected by hearing apasidanta. We may even not know that there is apasidanta. <laughs> or sometimes we may get happy with apasidanta. <laughs> so that's a different stage. But ideally we should be properly able to use our temper properly, healthy, in a healthy way, regarding this type of sensibilities. So whenever he heard apasidanta, he became, Srila Siyama said, my Guru Maharaj's face became like red. And at that moment, I could understand what's the meaning of Lotus face. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Any other may feel, oh, Guru Maharaj got angry. Some devotees at that time felt like this. Oh, at that moment of the class, Guru Maharaj got enraged and was like speaking strongly and became raised. Oh, some problem must be there. Sri Maharaj said, no, no. At that moment, the meaning of Lotus' face was revealed to us. <laughs> no. He's expressing his temper in the perfect direction. So one thing is to use our temper, another thing is to lose our temper. <laughs> so, temper is there. Different people may have different degrees of that, but you have to do something with that. So, well, of course, here, Rupa Goswami says, do not lose your temper. Do not be controlled by that impulse. But you can dovetail, as Srila Prabhupada will say, this type of emotions in a, in a proper way, like Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta was saying. Once Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta will say, we should use our anger against Krishna's enemies. <laughs> no? But immediately he started to look at his disciples and he started to realize, oh, every one of them is having a different idea of the meaning of what I have just said. <laughs> no? Because Krishna's enemies, who are Krishna's enemies? You may feel, oh, I will go out and kill every demon in Kali Yuga and whatever crazy thing that sometimes devotees may think. <laughs> I will pray to Nisrinha Dev so they at- he attacks my my neighbor that is <laughs> complaining when I do kirtan. Uh, no. <laughs> but this is, he, he, that was not his intention. So immediately he said, we should use our anger against. Krishna's enemies. But first of all, we should ask ourselves, I'm not still Krishna's enemy? I'm not still acting against Krishna's will? I'm not still sometimes attacking the, 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 the expression of costless mercy that sometimes comes to me? I, sometimes I pray to Krishna, give me mercy. And Krishna comes in a particular way to give mercy and I start running off from that mercy. So Krishna, and, and you start to pray again, Krishna, mercy, mercy. She says, that was my mercy. And you are running from that. So, huh? some way you are acting like an enemy. <laughs> not like, again, I'm not saying all the things that you enter into some neurotic stage, but, I mean, what's an enemy, basically? There are no enemies outside, that's the point. There are no enemies, strictly speaking. Only enemy, our own, as we say, uncontrolled mind, and, and that projects itself to outside, and so many enemies are there. We create a world of friends and enemies. But if there is friends and enemies, the friends also have the potential of becoming enemies eventually. <laughs> and the enemies to become friends, but which type of friends? I mean, so. 
So yes, we should try to see how to... So we can express our anger against ourselves. But what does it mean? It doesn't mean that you take... How do you mean? How do you call this? To flagellate yourself. No? Anger means also discipline, if you will. So I will express my anger against my, my uh, unhealthy dark side. Okay, I will be disciplined. And even though my, my sick part wants to do some nonsense... I will be like strict with that. As much as I can again. It has to be something. Not repression. <laughs> but some discipline is healthy. Healthy discipline. If not, we became a beast, basically. Right? There is no responsibility. No discipline at all. <laughs> I mean, a father, mother knows what I'm speaking about. I mean, if you don't start to show your kids some limits at some point, they will grow monsters. Yeah. Because they feel, okay, I can do whatever I like. I have a glimpse of that. I have. I was only son, no brothers, no sisters. So anarchy was like my daily food. <laughs> so now I'm struggling to be angered towards myself in that sense. So hopefully <laughs> that counts. No? So, crow the vegan, jiba vegan. No, let's go again to the tongue. Not really fully worked out. Let's go again to the tongue. <laughs> The tongue wants to speak, wants to speak, sometimes really wants to speak, sometimes better, fully mona, but sometimes it wants to taste, to taste. After that we'll go to stomach. Stomach has, will have more to do with quantity, feel the stomach. Tongue has to do with quality, no? particular taste, here and there. So again, the positive way of doing this is not just, I will stop eating, no? Once one devotee asked Srila Prabhupada, Oh, Ekadasi is um, about fasting? He said, No, Ekadasi is about feasting. <laughs> of course, he was not saying with this just gratify your senses, but what's feasting for a devotee? Even in the context of prasad, I think that you in English you say this, no? now comes the feast, and that's more concerned with prasad. No? So it's okay, but we should be concern how I honor Prasad. Actually the word is honor. Because take, it has to do a lot with this idea of taking. I heard the word I took initiation, I took sannyas, I took Prasad. It's more from the ego of I'm, taking, I'm the taker. I'm still the taker. I'm not receiving. I'm not honoring. No? So it's, there are words only, but sometimes they speak for <laughs> something else in the subconscious. So, I received initiation, I received sannyas, I received prasad, and I'm trying to honor all that. I'm not the taker of all those things, they're above my head. So, the proper way to, to control our tongue regarding this tasting urge is connected to trying to taste, honor prasad, but trying to connect, as Srila Siddhar Maharaj would say, with the subjective experience of the one who first tasted it. <laughs> you follow? Mm-hmm. I'm offering prasad to Sri Krishna Bhada and Sri Sri Gornitai. I'm offering bog. It becomes prasad. So when I'm about to honor it, my main concern should ideally be what what was their experience of that. I want their experience to be part of my experience. I know it's a high goal, <laughs> but I mean, we are in a high 
goal school, so what to do? <laughs> I mean, just for you to know. <laughs> if you want, so many other windows of opportunity are in the theistic market, but here, high goal, but as we say yesterday, high mercy also. So, goal is almost impossible to reach if you really start to analyze the, the sophisticated theology of the Goswamis. It's like too much. <laughs> and the standard of surrender and so many... It's like you feel, oh, I will never do this. But at the same time, you put on the other side of the scale the powerful level of mercy of Mahaprabhu and his associates and Parampara, and the mercy starts to go more from the, the scale to mercy, 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 mercy. So as we were speaking yesterday, our boat is rocking on two sides. No? We have this self-disparagement, like, oh, I'm so low, it's too much for me. But hope. But this grace is so high, but I'm so low, but it's so high, <laughs> the grace is so high. So eventually the, the hope side will win. That's the ideal. I mean, that's our hope. <laughs> but it's nice that we also have this other part to develop proper humility. To die anurag. I'm so fallen, I have no anurag for the holy name. But I will keep chanting. I mean, it's not I'm so fallen that I will stop chanting. No. Properly remorse, Re- remorse, yes, that's mm-hmm. it. Proper remorse, and from there, new enthusiasm to embrace the practice with more strength. So, Mahaprabhu was, was doing that when he honored Prasad in Puri. It is saying in the Chaitanya Charitamrita, he was actually tasting Jagannath's saliva. Saliva. Saliva is in English? Yeah. Yeah. That was that's what he was tasting. Not the gulab jamun, not the chapati, not the extra ghee, the chili. <laughs> he was just having darshan in his tongue of Mahaprabhu's saliva. So that's honoring Prasad. So in your in the plates you were receiving today there was the saliva of Krishna Balaram there. Do you have a taste of that? <laughs> that's real nectar. No? <laughs> so so gradually our tongue should be properly educated in order to develop this sensibility. So as much as we at least have the concern when the plate comes in front of you, okay, here's the saliva of my sweet Lord. Everything in Him is sweet. Maduram, Maduram, even His mm. saliva. <laughs> so I, I would like to really become aware of that. Because if not, you will just be aware of your own saliva. That's not a big thing. Just speaking like this and saliva is not like what to do. So, the best way to control your tongue is to properly honor Prasad. That would be the first thing. And that has, that's the main impulse of the human life. Anna. Anna Mai. How to survive by food. So, Srila Siramash will say, if you get to solve that problem, you have everything else solved. So, if you get to solve the food problem, everything else will, will fall, follow. So, for us, solving the food problem means properly honor Prasad. That will help to control this idea of wanting to taste, wanting to master the experience of tasting. I mean, that is not for giving me a taste. At least not a taste as I think. You have to taste the higher taste. So, Jiva Vigam Udara Upastu Vigam. So, very briefly, just to finish. Udara means, again, Stomachs, so it's like like in, in a line. No, you have mind, tongue, stomach, genital. But generally, the chara says it all starts with the tongue. 
try to go there and eventually the rest will like how do you call it? domino like fall one after the other <laughs> domino effect so stomach as I said tongue has to do more with quality stomach has to do with quantity sometimes you are eating and you know it's enough but you feel there is some space yet <laughs> I can make some space yet so, and there are some poor five extra gulajimus remaining there praying for my mercy to honor them I can make some place. I would be compassionate towards them. <laughs> so suddenly the Gulabshama took life and they're speaking to you. Everything is Sudipana. <laughs> that's your hallucination only. That's not, that's not Sudipana. That's not Lila. <laughs> you are going mad after your tongue and stuff. So try to know where, where to stop eating, really. You are honoring Prasad. You are not just feeling feeling your stomach. And upashta, upashta means the genital organ, which means try to control the sex impulse. On some level or another, you have to draw a line there. I mean, for every human being, there is some line to draw at some point regarding that urge. Even outside of the bodhis, I mean. For everyone, is, there is some limit to that. <laughs> regarding other people, other species... Whatever, <laughs> every de- whatever may be the case. And of course, in the, in the devotee community, of course, there's also some flexibility in the sense that not everyone has the same capacity. Because sometimes we may say, I will follow the four regulative principle, no illicit sex, only for procreation. Okay, if you have the capacity, no problem. But I know that many devotees just say that officially when they receive initiation, but after that, they have problems struggling with that. And they may get... Uh, they may get discouraged I was just watching in Spanish about that. they may get discouraged I cannot deal with that so maybe this is not for me I cannot be a devotee and sometimes devotees really get discouraged with that and, and give so much importance to those principles that are important <laughs> but they give some over importance in the sense that they get discouraged to the point of leaving the practice so that was not the point. It's not that I, oh, I still smoke marijuana. So, no, you have to leave the Krishna consciousness. You cannot stay with us. No. Try to keep practicing. I'm not promoting your smoking by doing that. Once one devotee said to Sila Sirmaraj, Sila Sirmaraj, I have a problem with marijuana. I said, oh, that's not a big thing. <laughs> but he wanted to make a point with that. He was not saying, just keep smoking, no problem. He said, there are worse things like than that, because some people may not be smoking, but may be too proud for not smoking, <laughs> and may be offending some other Vaishnavs who are even more sincere, but still smoking, maybe. <laughs> you don't know. No? So you may in, be, be properly situated regarding Papa, sin, but maybe incurring in Aparad, because you are pride, proud because you are not incurring Papa. But if you are incurring Aparad, that's worse. But that's not an excuse to incur in sin. <laughs> but I'm not doing apparat. But sometimes I do my smoking and my teeth. No, <laughs> but I'm not an apparati. No? I'm just a Jamaican bhakta. <laughs> uh, I mean, no excuses. I try to be sincere and from there try to progress. So you have to have common sense. I remember once I was in Argentina. Not, with, not a devotee, but just to give an example. And we entered with another good brother of mine, Guru Maharaj, sannyasi also. So the two of us entered like this to a shop. And there was some 
friend from the area there. So he looked at us. Huh? Of course, as every single person does in the street when they're walking. But he knew us a little bit, so he asked, what's the meaning of those clothes? And knowing him a bit, I knew where all, en- where all the questions ended. No. <laughs> but I went step by step. So I said, this means we are monks. Okay, so that means you cannot have sex. I knew that was his point. I said, well, many things this means. <laughs> but some of the points is, yeah, we are not having sex. So he said, when was the last time you had sex? <laughs> no, because he started like to really be sincerely surprised. Like, it was, he was trying to look in his Google in the mind. But there was no answer to that. No. <laughs> so we say, no, no sex. So he like, no sex? But, but when was last time? So every, every, ask, every question he was asking was throwing him into a great anxiety. <laughs> because, well, you say like 25 years or something. Both of us say like this, no? like 30 years. Or, so it was like too much for him. At that time, he he got lost. I mean, he was like just looking at the horizon. <laughs> he was somewhere else. So we were really in anxiety because we we didn't cr- wanted to create him anxiety, but but we knew he was going to end like that. <laughs> so after like minutes, he returned <laughs> and he looked at us and he said, "I cannot spend one single day without having sex." So he compared, he had the contrast, no? He realized basically I'm a sex addict. <laughs> no? So he was really suffering. He realized, oh my god, I cannot spend one single day. If I can have sex with my partner, I have to go with some prostitute. He's, he really was revealing his mind at that point. <laughs> I would give him we follow, oh my god. So in, in such a case, I will never say to that person, you practice brahmacharya and control your sex impulse. And he will go mad. I'll say try to have sex. Uh, one day yes, one day no, one day yes, one day no. <laughs> uh, for him, that will be too much. You follow? But it doesn't mean I'm promoting have sex between every one day no, one day uh, It's a particular specific case. You know? So Desha Kalapatra should be applied in order to, to remain in a healthy state of mind with these type of things. So well, basically, regarding, just for finishing, uh, regarding this this verse, last line says, so whoever may is able to tolerate or to control, you know, interesting, control, tolerate, maybe you are tolerating, you have not fully controlled, but how do you begin to control these urges? Try to tolerate. Now, tolerate means so many things. One thing first is acceptance. If something is getting out of your control, accept that is going, that's happening. Because if you just deny to yourself, this is not happening, this shouldn't be happening. Okay, shouldn't be, but it's happening. Mm. So first accept the mess, <laughs> the turmoil, and after accepting the embarrassing situation, you can do something about that. So that's part of the control. And you can start to tolerate on the level you can do it, some discipline, some gradual development of that. So it's a gradual process, depending each case, it's very individual issue and for the ones who is able to deal with this in such a mature way eventually uh, the whole world can become your disciple because the whole world is disciple 
is a student, if you will, <laughs> of their mind and senses. <laughs> no, the guru for most of the people is their own mind. So actually accepting a guru means guru will replace your mind. That's really the meaning of, at least on some level, of the meaning of initiation is you give your mind to your guru. As Prabhupada Bhaktisiddhanta said to his disciples, I, want to, I don't want to ask you anything, just give me your ears. Just only that. <laughs> but he knew, you give me your ears, I will share some message, will go to your mind, give me your mind, it will go to your heart, give me your heart. <laughs> so, so the point is, uh, initiation means that, no? Guru replace our mind. That's ideal. No? So our wishes, mind, desires, are his wishes, like this. So if, as much as you control mind and senses, world is your disciple because the whole people in the world is a disciple of their mind and senses so when you control them you control the world you follow the, the idea so, so that's the very same one of the features of, of the definition of, of a real guru Brahma Upasama Asrayam say the Srimad Bhagavatam he's Upasama Asrayam Upasama Asrayam Asrayam means shelter Sama means equanimity Hmm? And upa, I say today, close. No? So you get so close to equanimity, like you're fully immersed in, in, in tranquility. And asraya means taking shelter. So you take shelter in full tranquility. That's the meaning. Of, so that's one of the symptoms of the guru. He should be sheltered in full tranquility. In other words, he, he she should have his, her senses, mind under control. And other symptoms as well, Tasmat Gurum Prabhadita and some others. So again, this verse is a very interesting introduction, preliminary uh, preparation into the into the door. It's like the doorway to Bhakti. Speaking about Saranagati, it's not speaking about controlling your impulses, but embracing Saranagati in such a way that the control of all these impulses will be a byproduct. It's not I concentrate in controlling this separate from bhakti, separate from saranagati. It won't happen. <laughs> but I will embrace bhakti, what's favorable, what's unfavorable for bhakti, and naturally the result of that saranagati will be all the things will become more and more in line, and I will have a proper foundation to engage in a sustainable uh, uttam bhakti. So some not so brief words about the topic, sorry, <laughs> but difficult to be more brief but I wanted also to invite Ashram Maharaj if he can bless us with some conclusive words or whatever other thing you consider to share with us Shripad Bhaktivai Ashram Maharaj Ki Jai well I, first I wanted to express my appreciation for a couple of things that, that Maharaj said he <coughs> He used an example tonight that he used the I always use the same example. <laughs> Especially if we're, if we're moving here and there. Because you know, nobody knows. But I like this um, example. I'm sorry, I'm getting a cramp and I just realized I didn't bring my supplements, which means I didn't bring my magnesium, which is going to be a problem. Um, he talked about how in between chant and be happy, there are these brackets. 
And those of us who've taken algebra know, you know, just what that means. You've got all these set of operations that help you figure out just, you know, what the solution to the problem is and where do you start. You start inside the brackets. You've got the parentheses and then brackets and then parentheses and then brackets. And you start your operations inside there if you want to get the right solution. So you start inside and you work your way out and then you get the whole and you get the whole picture. You get the solution. So I, I really, um, I really like that um, analogy. Um, tonight he mentioned, you know, because uh, we, we were talking about uh, vachavegam, controlling the urge to speak. He's talking about noise, and that reminded me of um, uh, an important um, aspect of communication. And that is the ratio between signal and noise the signal-to-noise ratio. And what we have so much of is noise. Um, Srila Sridhar Maharaj gave a talk that uh, had a conversation with uh, my godbrother Achyutananda Prabhu many years ago. And this was published in a uh, 1970 edition of Back to Godhead magazine. Achyutananda it's like a transcript of this conversation. I'm thinking, how does how does this guy have such a, a memory that he can, you know, recall this whole conversation that he had on the roof of Srila Sridhar Maharaj's month? And it was about the descent of the holy name. And Srila Sridhar Maharaj was talking about how uh, when an army wants to conquer a place, back then, you know, the first thing you do is you want to take over the radio stations and TV stations and stuff so that you can stop the propaganda against you and start propaganda. And now we have social media to do that. So we've got the Russian bots, um, you know, uh, infiltrating your Twitter feeds and, and our Facebook timelines and whatever, um, telling us um, what somebody somewhere else wants us um, to know. So that I guess they're supposed to help us figure out who, who we should or shouldn't vote for or whatever. Um, or we have, you know, we, we have the, the, the uh, Facebook always listening to us. I, I, I guess other um, apps as well. Um, and, and we see ads over here on the side or ads that show up in our timeline, in our, in our, in our news feed. Um, based on how we respond to things. And I have an example. Um, a year and a half or so ago, um, where I'm staying at Hums Avatar and Yoga Mayas, I was sitting at the, f- at the end of the dining room table that was f- um, farthest from the kitchen. And they were in the kitchen with their friend Keith, who helping, he was helping them fix the, uh, cupboard, uh, the cupboard door under the sink. Um, and then uh, they were talking about the painting. They wanted to paint some of the rooms in the house at the time, and they said something about somebody said just mentioned Sherwin Williams paint. And just a, less than a minute later, I saw an ad over on the right side of my screen because I was I was doing something on Facebook at the time, and I saw an ad over on the side of the screen. An ad for a hardware store in Spindale, the closest 
almost closest town to us that sells Sherman Williams paint. And I just thought, <laughs> so we, we don't have any privacy. So I like that idea of, of signal to noise, and we need, that's something that we need to um, be aware of um, in our interactions with people. Um, it's like we have uh, uh, um, our uh, friend, everybody's friend, I think, Greta Thunberg, um, who says she has, uh, she has uh, uh, selective mutism, she calls it, which means I don't speak unless it's absolutely necessary. And that's now. <laughs> I love it when she does that. She just kind of like leans into the mic and looks right at the people she's speaking to. That and that and that time is right now. Um, she's someone who would rather not speak. There isn't anything. Uh, what is there to talk about? Well, our house is on fire, and we have to respond accordingly. So this is an emergency. So I have to speak, and I have to speak. I just as soon be by myself. But I'll get up in front of all these people who think they're big and powerful and do that. So we should feel the same way. When it's necessary to speak some Krishna Kata or we have some instruction that we can give to help people, then you know, then, then that, that impulse to speak, that urge to speak should be um, uh, followed. Um, otherwise, what we're practicing is a yoga. And if you look at the sixth chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna is telling Arjuna, this is how yoga works. And he says that I want you to be a yogi. Oh, and by the way, here's the kind of, in the very last verse, right? Bam! Here's the kind of yogi I want you to be. So this is a yoga, and we see this throughout the Srimad Bhagavatam. We see it like you know, in the second, <coughs> second canto. Tivrena Bhakti Yogena, right? Um, and, and all throughout the Bhagavad Gita, and gosh, so many times in the 11th canto, Krishna presents bhakti as a yoga, the real yoga, the essential yoga. And what is yoga? Patanjali says, yoga is chitta vritti nirodha. Right? Yoga means to still these impulses, to still the agitation of the mind. And then... We see ourselves in our real situation, situated in our real life. Then, then we can have that kind of uh, that kind of clarity and behave um, accordingly. And if you look, uh, my friend Adwaita Das uh, pointed this out, um, speaking about um, Bhagavad Gita to um, my friend uh, Gopi Mata's yoga teacher training students a couple of years ago in Kansas. Says it, and he has. Uh, what is one of the most widely used translations and kind of compiled common, uh, ancient commentaries on, on uh, uh, Patanjali's Yoga Sutras. And he said, if you look at the Yoga Sutras, 1,200 words. And there's like 12 words about asana in the Yoga Sutra. And, and what does it tell us about asana? You need asana so you can sit and meditate. And what does meditation mean? It means stilling the mind. It means tolerating these urges. And I don't know if anybody's ever seen the old... This is a film from about 25, 26 years ago. Um, doing Time, Doing Vipassana about Kiran Beatty. Who, you know, this woman who became uh, the uh, governor of uh, the 
worst worst prison in New Delhi, full of, of people convicted of, of, of violent crimes, and um, she saw how horrible how horrible it was for everyone there, including the correction officers. So um, so she brought in who was the uh, meditation teacher? I can't remember. He was a very famous um, Vipassana meditation teacher. One of the, perhaps the most famous Vipassana teacher for a long time. Um, not with us anymore. She brought him in to do 10-day intensive Vipassana meditation workshops. And you know, people have to just sit for hours a day and watch their minds. And what they learn from that over that course of time is we don't have to respond to all those impulses that come. When an urge comes, you don't have to, you know, if you see someone who ticks you off, you don't have to punch them out. If you go by somebody with a nice house, you don't have to make a plan to break in in the middle of the night and steal their stereo and their jewelry and all that kind of stuff. You know, uh, if you've got anger about uh, power issues or whatever it is, uh, you know, you don't have to grab a woman and assault her. These, you know, if you sit and just watch it long enough, it goes away. So this kind, this is, so when we think about the kind of instructions that we see, especially in, in, in this first verse of, of uh, Upadesha Amritu, I mean, we can think this is yoga. These are the, some vidhi for bhakti. These are instructions. These are kind of ways to, res- to to restrict our senses, so that we can learn to tolerate um, um, their urges, a- and and we can be uh, calm, happy. I mean, it's, you know, it's 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 not that outrageous. As Maharaj said, like with sex, everybody has to draw a line somewhere at a certain species or whatever. Otherwise, if you have a job like I used to have teaching on a college uh, campus with 35,000 students or something like that, how do you get across the campus? You know, God knows how many thousands of beautiful young women there are on that campus. If, if you, you know, if you don't, you know, if, if, if you can't stop seeing every woman or man or whatever as the object of your um, pleasure, how do you get through a day? It's just crazy. It's madness. It's just madness. And so we become sane. We still, and, but that doesn't mean necessarily. We were talking about this the other night um, at our Bhagavad Gita class. It doesn't mean necessarily that the lake has to be completely still. It just means that all the pebbles that are dropped into that lake need to be dropped into the same right at the same point. Srila Prabhupada gave this example in, in Honolulu. He's given, he gave it a, number, a few times. But the first time I heard it was in Honolulu in 1972 when he spoke at the University of Hawaii. And he said, you know, if you drop pebbles in, in a still lake, you know, still lake is very placid, very peaceful. Um, and if, but if you drop pebbles here and there, they make ripples, but and then the ripples clash with each other, and they make a chaotic pattern on the surface of the lake. But if you can take as many pebbles as you want, if you drop them all on the same point, the circles all will radiate from that point, and it's a very harmonious 
very peaceful um, uh, pattern. It's like there's used to be, you know, it used to be a, an iPhone app. I, one of my daughters showed me this a few years ago. So she had this app on her thing. It's like a little pool with, you know, round river rocks in the bottom or something like that. And you touch the screen of your phone, and little ripples go out. And it's supposed to be some kind of relaxation thing or something. It's just this really cool. And you make your finger like this, then you get ripples going up, you know. So, but this is what this is what we want. We want this kind of one-pointed um, life. Those set, those circles created by those ripples. Those are concentric circles. And what's the antonym of concentric? My fellow editor, English teacher, person, you remember? I know what it is, and it's not eccentric. That's what came to me. <laughs> Con- it's yeah, it's eccentric. That's exactly you know. So that's that's the opposite of the, uh, you know of this con- and, and when I remember hearing when, Sh- when Srila Prabhupada said that I thought oh he's talking about an Ishavasya society that's what because you know, this was in the early 70s Ishopanishad was a big part of our study back then um, so this is you know so in a sense we can say well these aren't bhakti proper but to the extent that they're part of Sharanagati as Maharaj was pointing out. It is bhakti. It is bhakti. And, you know, we were talking the other night about um, someone, I saw someone characterize it as the difference between um, Vaidhi bhakti and Raghavadva bhakti, but I think our discussion was more like the connection between the two. That what appears to be vidhi, they're just, they're just parts of bhakti. I mean, it's because it starts with, you know, taking shelter of the guru, um, Accepting the Guru's instructions and taking initiation, um, offering service to the Guru um, with progressive faith and, and ultimately with a sense of, of intimacy uh, and following the uh, uh, in, following in the footsteps of, of, the, of, the, of the acharyas of the great sages. And Rupa Goswami presents these. The, the, these first 20 angas out of the 64 main angas of bhakti that he discusses, he, just, he uh, presents them as the entrance to the temple of bhakti. It's like the threshold. You don't really get to the other angas until you, you know, unless you've done, you know, accepted these 10 vidhi and 10 nishay, the 10 do's and 10 don'ts. And then we have free access um, Progressively to the other angas of bhakti, just as um, and sharanagati is such an important anga of bhakti. <coughs> uh, Mahaprabhu is instructing Sanatan Goswami in, in um, Antilila. Uh, he went to see Sanatan and, and Haridas, and he he knew that Sanatan was thinking, "My body is disgusting because of these sores," and the Lord is so strangely and naturally affectionate to me that even the first time we met he just couldn't help himself but embrace me because he's so affectionate and it's just gross it's just an offense so let me get rid of this thing this thing just gets in the way of it you know makes everything oogie so I'll just throw it under the wheels of Lord Jagannath's cart during the Ratiatra Lord Chaitanya could feel his heart disturbance in his heart so he went and he was talking to him and he says, yeah, I know, I know what's on your mind. Don't even think about it. 
says, you know, he told him, at the, at the time of initiation, as the disciple engages in Atma Samarpana, which is Sharanagati, self-surrender, it's one of the Angas of Sharanagati. Um, as the as the as the uh, bhakta engages in in, in uh, sharanagati, Krishna accepts his body as being as good as his own. As his own. Atma sam, he says, atma sam, just just as himself, and he calls that sadhaka deha. Tells him, this, you're not. We're not talking about a material body anymore, because to the extent that you engage it in service, it's 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 spiritualized. It's a sadhaka deha. And twice, just before he says that and just after, he, he says that the, the sadhaka's body is um, chidanandamoy. It's, it's composed of knowledge and bliss. And Krishna accepts that body as being as good as his own. Well, this is such a powerful thing that if we, you know, if we can um, understand, if we can feel the heart uh, of these instructions, as Maharaj said, uh, Das Goswami, once he went through the whole saga and, and finally ended up in Lord Chaitanya's association in Puri, he just kept bothering me. Give me some, you know, I, give me some, I, I, you know, I, here I am. Give me some intimate instruction. And he said, oh, you got swerved down, or you got swerved down. Finally, he said, okay, I'll give you, you know, and he says, don't, don't gossip. Uh, and don't hear gossip, and, and you know, and if that's that's a hard one right there, because sometimes we'll hear somebody they got they gotta talk about somebody you know whoever else it is you know blah this and that, uh, or they gotta talk about the movies they saw, or they gotta talk about the, today's politics or something like that, and um, don't don't gossip, don't hear gossip, don't wear fancy clothes. And eat fancy food. Oh, then you can engage your mind always in, in uh, you know, in, in remembering the divine past and the pastimes of the divine couple. So this is you know, this is. Uh, Prabhupada gave us this book in '74. Yeah, I think it was '74, and you know it blew our minds. You know, we were reading, you know, especially once we got to the end. I remember going to Vrindavan in '82. And, and I, I was thinking, oh my God, I'm going to go to Radhakund? God, Narada Muni didn't even get to go to Radhakund. And I'm going to go to Radhakund? Guess what? I didn't go to Radhakund. I got malaria. I spent the whole time in Vidal on the floor of one room. But, um, which was probably more purifying for me because I spent those days just lying on the room on the floor of my room crying. And I was crying, not because I felt lousy. I felt lousy, but I really, you know, I was really crying because there was kirtan going on in the courtyard all day long and devotees were going out on Paragam. Oh, they're going to Radhakun today. Today they're going to Govardhan and I'm lying here on the floor. Can't even get up to go get drink water. Um, that, so for me, I think that was probably more purifying than actually <clears throat> having gone to Radhakun. Then next time I went, which was the last time, um, I got to go to that. But this is our, you know, this is our our real business is is Sharanagati. Bhakti Vinodakar says that it, when someone engages in these six angas of Sharanagati, 
He says, uh, Nanda's uh, young son, he hears their prayers. So whenever somebody says, oh, pray for such and such a devotee, they're having this problem, I always think, trying to trick me. <laughs> they want me to pray for them, but what's the point if I'm not surrendering? So, now I've got I've to engage in a little Sharanagati. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this weekend. I'm glad that um, Maharaj and Supal Very, they were very gentle about it, but a little, but persistent. Okay, okay, make up your. It's okay. Take your time. Make up your mind. And I just thought, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go here. Um, you know about this. Bhaktivinoda talk were called illumination on, on bhakti, bhakti aloka, shining a light on bhakti. So thank you. Thank you all. I think we are. Does anyone have any questions that we've been out of the spot or on the session? I was just going to say, to be continued. Yeah, to be continued. So tomorrow yeah, we'll yeah, continue yeah, yeah. with this number two at Hanurah and Heather's.